1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: Footballistically Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton, as usual. Psychic, psychic Josh Landy is with us. Missed Rest- you last week, Boyd. Yeah, apologies. Um, where was I? I was at was the Avengers film. Of course you were. Premiere, sorry. That's um, quite long. It's very, it's really three hours long, yeah, and I was trying to work out way of doing this podcast and I'm going to that, but I couldn't in the end, because it's it's No, cause we tried timing. to it early, wasn't yeah. going to be early enough. No, I know, but it was very good, I listened it was very good. Uh, Shame it wasn't think. long enough to go all the way into the game against Wolves, you could have missed that as well. That would have been good, been good. To that would have been good, yeah um uh we are joined by a very special guest um the great colin lewin we had um gary lewin on um about a month ago maybe it was a month ago who's your was cousin of... colin welcome yeah how you doing nice um you. and that was one of our most acclaimed uh podcasts we've ever done so you know right? to up okay, to. Yeah. yeah no pressure <laughs> um and, of course, Colin was at Arsenal for 23 years in the yep, medical team, physio, and in charge for nine of those years, right? Nine, ten of those years? Uh, ten. Yeah, ten. I took over ten in 2008. And, uh, and the, yeah. In the kind of last ten years of, of Wenger's reign. after yes, Wenger's reign,
1: the final ten. The yeah. final
2: ten. So we've got loads to talk about um, with Colin. So we're going to have a kind of foreshortened topical early section where we look back at recent miserable results, our terrible run of three defeats in a row. Um... But I guess that we can we can thrash that out. But all I'll say is... Or I'm going to say my piece about these three defeats in a row first. Yeah. Which is that I think people are getting hysterical. I know it's bad. I know it's depressing. But think back this time last year. Like people like me, who got to the end of our tether with the last few years of Arsenal, um, just mainly because of the repetitive tediousness of it all, I felt... Well, this is why I wanted. I wanted. I've said this a couple of times. In you wanted podcast. three to want, no, five. No, no. I wanted. A, I wanted. I'll be honest with you. A new manager with some new ideas, a less predictable way of setting up the team, different tactics, different team selection. And by golly, he's given us that. I mean, he's absolutely given us. You can I, never pick a team. I, you can never pick the team he's going to pick. I mean, actually, with possibly the last two. I mean, the, the, the team selection against Palace was disastrous. I, and one, that's for me one his biggest mistake of the season. because I think that's led to this terrible run. But, generally, I don't think we can get hysterical. If you're like me, if you wanted to change, you wanted a kind of new, new, new manager, some new players. We've still got some great new players. And all that's happened is, these recent results have been bad. They went on a brilliant run, and we knew he was going to have trouble with this squad. It's, a, for me, a weak squad. Loads of changes needed. All of that's come true. And we're still, as we speak now today, with two games to go, possibly going to finish in the top four, or else win I congr- the Europa League. I congr- so... I'm saying, everyone, calm down, get a grip. It's still too early to judge him. And those people suddenly... Every other result, they decide, is he or isn't he worth keeping with. You've got to give him time. It's insane not to suddenly go three defeats in a row... Particularly one with the sending-off. I think the sending-off was disastrous and terrible. I was furious about the whole thing. And the game wouldn't have stayed the same without that sending-off because he was about to change it at half-time, as he often does. So it's all going to be fine. I'm still fine with it. I'm perfectly happy. Josh.
0: Boy, I congratulate you on putting the most positive spin on the Your most spin. disastrous 10 exactly how I 10 feel. Days there was I, I, even that sending off on Sunday. The, the first thirty-five minutes, we had Owobi pass the ball to their goalkeeper, and apart from that, we didn't look like scoring anywhere in the first half, and, and we were toothless.
2: No, against actually, we had a couple of chances. Actually, you're wrong. Off. We had we had, a, we had the Owobi chance, and there was a de- decent Lacazette chance, which was off target. Yeah, Um there was a good Lacazette chance early on. Uh,
0: yeah. But anyway, carry, I, on. I
2: went, carry on. I went Sunday. <laughs> actually. On. I thought I thought I'd just do one more away domestic
0: trip before the end of the yeah. season. And the train journey was lovely. Meeting up with Alex Brooker was lovely and a few other yep. people. The football was a complete waste of time. Um, however, what you've done there is I think still not got over how much you were desperate for a new manager. And now you're willing to, to forgive some of these well, reasons. It's, it's, it's realistic. And it it's is realistic. great that we're still in with the chance of Champions League. But considering where we were and where we should have been after the last three games... I don't think we can be overly happy. I think. Well, I'm not happy. happy. I'm, I'm gutted,
1: if, especially if we along, don't finish in
2: the top four. But I'm, I'm really keen. We just move on anyway. And talk about. Fine, but he's other already things. improved. The points tally already. It's oh, it's it, So I'm that whole sh- thing about is it going to is it going to be a disaster? People are predicting we could finish ninth, tenth. It could be horrendous, but it's, none of that's happened. And and look at our rivals as well. The most likely thing Sorry this season. Sorry, Chelsea's had a really bad time. This is what happens when and I'd rather be in their position. people like cool. Well. S- slightly, yeah, but what I'm saying is this happens with managers in their first season, no matter how big the club is, it okay. takes time. Look back at Klopp, look at Pep Guardiola's versus, and these things happen. People have to be calm and logical and not go hysterical and go, oh, we've got a ditched manager. I think what we're going to get. Colin, is, is there anything is you hard. would like to say about the recent form of Arsenal? I or think, generally the season? I, I think Neiman.
1: once you're a physio, you're always a physio, and it's always drummed <laughs> into you no football opinions. Fair enough. <laughs> On any grounds, unless you have a football opinion, it's something we said year after year, month after month. For the record, I agree with Boyd. Thank you. But, sorry, no football opinions. No, fair well,
0: enough. Was, <laughs> it, was it Nigel Atkins who was a physio who became a Yes, he was, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Never thought of the uh, the leap yourself.
1: You're joking, no, no chance. But no chance. Yeah, the lads who work with Nigel Atkins say he's a very, very, very understanding manager medically, and that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah.
2: That's interesting. It probably makes a big difference, doesn't it?
1: Probably, I'm not saying it's the right <laughs> thing to do, but it probably makes yeah. their life a bit easier.
2: The only other thing I could say before we go in depth, um, in depth into Colin, is that I did get to go to the um, Arsenal, Foundation. Arsenal Foundation annual charity event, which was always one of the great nights of my life. I
0: saw Dermot's handshake yes. that he did with was it Abayang and Lacazette?
2: Yeah, terrific. Yeah. Um, I got a picture with Aubameyang and Lacazette in the middle. You were trying was... to play it cool, weren't you? You're were trying not to be too fanboy. I didn't. No, i not playing cool at all. I was des- I, from the as soon as I got there, I literally, you know, pretty much stalked be Aubameyang right. and Lacazette. To How and get... are they? Did you chat? They were brilliant. Yeah, I chatted to, to Aubameyang for at least I would say two to three minutes, and um, I mainly asked him about. Um, his sinuses because you know he just this, he'd just missed the game previously because he had a mysterious slightly mysterious sinus operation yeah that was the and so I asked him about that and the sinuses and he kind of looked at me quizzically and then I think he suddenly re- re- realised what sinuses were and he was like oh yeah yeah it's fine it's fine I'll be playing he said he yeah, will be playing at the weekend and, as he did and um, then I asked him about his bromance with Lacazette whether you know whether they got on him as soon as they met and he was like yeah as soon as we met we're on a wavelength and so I learned a nice shout about that and then Lacazette came over and, and confirmed that they were genuinely best mates now any
0: other highlights from the evening
2: Well, oh, I had a quick chat I got a photo with Emery Unai Emery yeah and um, he was really nice I said to him I think you're doing a really good job this was before the third of our recent defeats, but I did believe he's doing it I said you think you're doing a really good job already he went it's too early it's too before early before he replied did he say good evening because I've um, never seen him talk
0: without saying good evening first. He didn't say good evening. He, he said
2: good evening. <laughs> no, he said, thank you, nice to meet you. And um, I said, you're doing a really good job. And he said, too early, it's too early. And I went, what? And he went, too early, you know. I'll so he himself, the one thing he said to me was, it's too early to judge on how to do a job. So I thought it was very... Sweet and modest of him. Dan Baldwin, formerly of this podcast, who I... claimed claims he's with, coming back. ...was there. One day he'll come back. You know Dan, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I know Dan. I don't know. Dan had about a 20-minute chat with him, because he sat right behind Dan. Dan was on a different table to us. So Unai was sitting literally a foot away from him. Wow. And they had about a 20-minute chat, and he still wouldn't... And I said to Dan, I was, what were you talking about? And he said, I'm not sure I really know, which was interesting. Because, <laughs> obviously, Unai's you know, English is... Uh, the uh, best staccato. yeah, but they did have a quite a long chat, so that was that was interesting yeah. well, next time we see Dan we'll, we'll find him yeah, so it was a glo- and it was a glorious night, Derma, and the only reason I got to go is because only O'ary hosts and he did a brilliant job um, and I th- the, the, what, actually the highlight I have to say was the b f g big friendly German per, per motorsackcker did a speech because he is like driving. He went to, you know, he went to Africa. He did, you know, he, he kind of makes sure that the the investments from this, from the Arsenal Foundation, build these pitches and training grounds in in these areas. Mm-hmm. And he made this incredible speech off the cuff. He's so eloquent and. Um, incisive and brilliant I and mean, he's going to make a really good manager I just seem so intelligent I, I hear, feel like yeah I he's, hear
0: he's also the one that's sort of being put up to go and do um, comms on behalf of the club with like the AST yeah right. I think he's doing fantastic for yeah. yeah he's so impressive
1: yeah he's, he's daunting you can't help but respect him and uh, he speaks very well I mean the second language as well and yeah, yeah. Incredible. he speaks so well and you can't yeah. you can't help but want to believe him yeah and,
2: exactly uh, yeah absolutely brilliant yeah
1: um, so Colin let's your your
2: um, time at the club, um, a what just generally like how you know in that, being in charge for those for that ten year period under Arsene Wenger was it very different from when you first joined the club if you like kind of ten twelve thirteen years before that time diff- times moved on a lot
1: very different um, when I first arrived I was working underneath Bruce Rioch um, obviously Gary brought me in and um, working with Bruce Rioch for that short time in the old training ground with a squad of players where there were, I think, three foreign players, right. which, looking back, seems mad. 1995, this is. Um, fast forward to 2008, when Gary left to go with the national team full-time. Yeah. Uh, and I took over. Suddenly, you're looking around the squad, and it's a very different-looking squad yeah. in a very different-looking training ground, obviously with a very different manager, albeit he'd been there for years by then. But, uh, yeah, incomparable almost. Same colour kit, in
2: compare <laughs> almost. And moving to the new stadium, having the new training ground, was that big? Does
1: that make a big difference to you? that. Stadium less though, so, because mm. we're only there once every whatever it is, ten days, fourteen days. It's still lovely to have it. It's still a great facility, and some of the equipment we've got there was was brilliant. The space, Highbury had no space. Emirates did have space, which was helpful. But the training ground is your workplace, day in, day out. You spend a lot of time there, and so to go from the training ground we had, which For a club of Arsenal size Was very very basic What a blessing that was When it burned down (laughs) Um, And then to move into The new training ground Which we all helped design We all Mm. helped Meeting after meeting Uh, A fellow called Sean O'Connor He's the training ground Facilities manager And he did an unbelievable job Along with the architects Building that place And it's evolved since then I mean There's been additions 2012 There was a medical building 2017 Was this magnificent new Player performance centre And And yeah, it made a massive difference Just to almost design it ourselves To have a big gym, to have a swimming pool The quality of the pitches were Unbelievable mm. compared to what we've been used to And I think You can play catch-up with your neighbours Or you can be a pioneer in designing your own training ground
0: Are you ever involved, Presumably you're involved when a, when a player is thinking about signing <coughs> for the club They have to come to the training ground traditionally To do a medical, is that, is that still right? Yeah, and would, yeah. would you be there with them doing that medical? Because yes. surely that must be a you know, a big thing for an impression, someone's first impression of the club going to the old training ground, so what the new one
1: was? I think by the time it gets to medical, the decision is made. Right, okay. I would have thought it might be cases in youngsters or really young players, youth team players, but by the time it gets to medical for a senior player, they've made their mind up. They're coming. Um, But there'll be tours going on with young trialists or young players that they want to attract to the club, and yeah, the training ground plays a huge part the player needs a well factor, needs to be impressed with what he's going to come and work with day in, day out. So on that side of it, yeah, this is important.
0: I'm just going off topic a little bit here. When someone is thinking about signing for the club, at what point do you get notified? They're like, Colin, Colin, we've got <laughs> we've got someone. Well, they, they want to be quite discreet, presumably, and keep a few yeah. people in that circle, because what <clears> if <throat> it goes wrong and they don't end up signing?
1: It varies. Obviously, you can get half a day's notice. and You can be given weeks notice sometimes you're asked to do a bit of background research on a player yeah. which is obviously using unofficial means to try and find out what you can simple stuff that's available to everyone Yeah, their playing record their injury record it's all out there um, if it's a player at another club and you happen to have a colleague who may have worked with that player and you trust them you can find out a little bit about them but you have to have trust because obviously it can't keep getting out into the media so yeah it, you're right, it becomes a very tight circle of people that know about the player, especially if it's a big name, yeah. which inevitably it, it was. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you, you go back with your information you've gathered. Most of the time it's progressing contractually and it goes to medical. Every now and then it falls apart. You know, when, um,
2: as fans, we often think, like when players sign and then sometimes you know, they get injured quite frequently. <clears throat> we we use the phrase injury-prone because we don't know what we're talking about basically yeah, so you know if a, player gets, if, if a player gets more than I don't know three injuries in about a couple of seasons we think oh well they're injury prone yeah. is, is there any such thing as that does, it, does that make any with sense with regards to new just... players you mean yeah
1: I think any new player going to any club whether they're coming to Arsenal or from Arsenal you're going to a new training regime different loads on your body different pitch mm. Different demands from the manager. So the body doesn't like change. And so, yeah, I think joining the new regime, we're always fairly careful with new players when they come, try to break them in gently.
2: Right. But if that, well, I mean, so if they've had, say, they've had a, a player that the manager only wants to sign, it's a really good, you know, famous yep. player, maybe. Yep. But they've had two or three injuries recently for their previous club. You know, you could point that out. Does that make them injury prone? Was that put a doubt in them in your mind, or do you think, no, you know, that's not a thing necessarily?
1: I don't think a few injuries in a few years is enough to stop a signing. Right. If a manager wants a player, the manager wants a player, yeah. But it does give us a nudge, if you like, to when they get there to thoroughly assess them, mm. have okay. a chat with them, work with their weaknesses, work with the fitness coaches, work with the coaches to try and limit the risk. We're never going to. Be we're never going to obliterate the risk. There's always a risk. Yeah, yeah. But you do your best to minimise it.
0: I, I guess there's always a, a decision to be made that it, sometimes it falls in some kind of grey area. I, I don't know, the the one that just immediately leaves to mind is someone like Kim Kallstrom a couple of years ago when he was sort of perceived as being signed whilst injured. But I guess is there just a view taken on how he'll recover and whether there's enough time to make that signing justifiable before the end of the season?
1: I mean, that's in the public eye. We can talk about that. So Kim joined us and during his medical... One of the scans highlighted a couple of fractures in his vertebrae, in his lumbar spine. And he was sat there fully expecting to sign for Arsenal. He'd hurt his back on a uh, a Dubai trip, I believe, with Spartak Moscow, 10 days before he came to sign for us. And um, we went into the manager and spoke to the contracts people and said there was 14 weeks left of the season. He's going to be another six weeks injured with a back problem. It was deadline day and... Arson took the view, we'll take him, get him better as quick as you can. I think there was some deal struck with Spartak who was beyond my pay grade. <laughs> and we got him back for the last eight weeks of the season. I mean, arguably, it wasn't a great loan signing, but he, he scored did score a penalty. A penalty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Scored a penalty in the semi and uh, yeah. Yeah. started against West Ham and He's probably looking at Dennis Suarez now, thinking, yes. "I'm no longer <laughs> <laughs> the most pointless from bite." You can, you exactly. can say his that. People are. People You should are,
2: people are, to say that because people are comparing the oh, two. Really you, you on, can say on that. On social I media, I think Calstrom's
0: yeah. penalty is far far outweighs uh, yeah. Suarez's. Suarez, Suarez had what, like
2: ninety five uh, minutes? Is that a, combined uh, yeah, over yeah, six fair appearances? I yeah, think that's his. Yeah, no, that hasn't. That's turned out spectacularly, pointlessly. Yeah,
0: thank God it was only alone then. Just talking, I'm interested. Like you mentioned, the deadline day. <clears throat> your workload must be really stressful on, on deadline days. Um, like if they're trying to bring in more than one player, I'm trying to think. We've had a few, you know, uh, uh, we've had a quite a number of you know, mm. deadline days over what well, must have been your
1: player. We had a day to- where we signed four. Yeah, yeah, Same day. Wow. I think I got the player, I think I know which four it was. I think it was Per Murtasaka, yeah. Mikel Arteta, yeah. Yossi yes. Benayoun, and your man Chu Young Park. I think it was those four the same day. I might be wrong, but we signed four the same yeah. day. And it was bedlam. Yeah, yeah, Scan slots, players in with the doctor, being assessed by different people. And okay, most of the time they go well. But you'll see Ben, you know, they had a significant calf injury previous to that. So you're speaking to Chelsea about that. That was only alone. Yeah. But it was a mad day. But you get there early on deadline day. You're speaking to the contracts fella um, who negotiates that sort of thing. You're speaking to the manager. And you know potentially you've got a late night I've been sat having a Caesar salads in one of the offices at 9pm waiting for a potential player to arrive and you don't know until 9, 10 o'clock they don't arrive.
0: And just give us an insight. of but like That's not
1: just me, that's every physio at every club. Yeah, mm.
0: And just give us an insight of how many, do you say how many percentage, I appreciate you don't want to talk about specifics, it wouldn't be appropriate, but what percentage fail a medical and it never goes through who turn up thinking they're going to sign for the club?
1: Fail it on a medical problem.
0: As in, something arises, you're not expecting, and that results in a decision taken not to sign this player when there was an intention to do so. Is that re- very rare? Or?
1: Yeah, very rare. Okay. Because you generally look back at their last few years, and if they've managed to play a decent number of games in those previous three years, and they find something horrible on the medical, it needs further investigation, and it's very unusual. But did it happen? Yes. Okay. Um, a long, long time ago, I probably shouldn't name him, but it was a goalkeeper from 20-odd years ago who failed a medical and went on to do very well at a Spanish club. Wow. (laughs) And, you know, but we took a view. Another club took a similar view. I think the third club he went to took a risk and he went on to do okay. So, again, it's just an assessment of risk. Mm. Medicals aren't a simple yes, no. You're giving the management and everyone else an element of... Here's the risk associated with this player. It might be a number one grade where they've got zero risk. Don't worry about him. He's fine. Generally, the younger boys with no injury history. On the other end of the scale, you've got older boys with a colourful injury history, shall we say. <laughs> and um, the idea then, the advice is, you know, we're not saying no, but these are the risks associated with this player.
0: I, I've got just another question before we talk about, I think we want to talk about some of the players who were in that period. I was um, I was with someone recently who um, is very close. to Someone who's I think on the performance side at, at the football association and being involved in sort of elite, sort of physical side of sport. Who mentioned that they feel a lot of the top athletes now will want their own people and they want to sort of feel they've got their own sort of um, somewhat like a personal trainer, or
1: them, yeah. people <laughs>
0: around. Them. Is that difficult for you to manage? Like you're you're ultimately responsible for these players, you know, in the role you're in. How do you deal with other individuals who are trying to help these players? And maybe is it more of a thing with foreign lads who sort of trust other people?
1: A little bit. It is getting worse. I say worse. It's getting more difficult. Right. And uh, it's a common problem. It's not just one club. Everyone has the problem. I think you'll find at the bigger clubs in Europe where players are being paid a lot of money as well, they can afford to have their own man, if you like. Now, whether that own man is a physio, a fitness coach, it's generally one of those two. Um. It, it does make it very difficult, but you've got a choice. You can fight it, fight it, fight it. If this player wants his own man, you're not going to win the battle. So we generally to try and get our arm around the player, try and meet the outside therapist if we could, and say, we need to know everything you're doing, and we'll tell you everything we're doing. Because if there's any overlap, that's only going to put your, your employer, really, at risk.
0: There must be a fear of, you know, you've got this multi-million pound star... And someone you're not in control of is ultimately doing something physical with them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it didn't happen much, to my knowledge, obviously. But there are clubs that have real big problems with yeah. it. But the person... I mean, Neil Warnock spoke recently about one of his players, Camarasa, I believe it was. Yeah, he, oh, had, he did, yeah. Yeah, he had his own man. And his own man was stopping him playing because yeah. he hasn't got a particular interest <clears throat> in what the team does. Whereas I'm working for a club, I want that club to win the game okay there's always risks attached to players you're not going to be stupid you're not going to be negligent but your motives your drive are different Mm. and I think it's a big problem Um, there are some clubs in Europe that have a terrible time in my time at Arsenal we managed it fairly well I think but it is going to get worse if you have players
2: who do you get players without naming names um, who whose injuries you think aren't who don't want to play with an injury and you think they probably should does that ever happen I'm thinking of I am thinking of a particular player.
0: What are you <laughs> who, of, who are you
2: thinking of? Ozil. I'm thinking of Ozil. Sort of, but you don't have to talk about him specifically. But do you know what I mean? the like fact, the reason he didn't play in the last game was bruised foot, wasn't it? And that was the reason again. Now, bruised foot doesn't sound like very serious to me. So as soon as you see that, you think, oh, that's not very... Surely a lot of players will play with a bruised
1: foot. I don't know the truth behind that. Um, I think if someone has damaged a small ligament between a few bones in their foot, the public aren't going to want to hear that someone has sprained their tarsometatarsal <laughs> ligament, are they? So, sometimes you paraphrase and say they bruised their foot. Now, right. I accept that can sometimes come across. Yeah. I don't know the truth in this you case. I think to be it's honest. bad wording anyway. But Meza yeah. if he can play, he's going to play. Right. Okay. But I think uh, you do get the occasional times when players maybe look ahead to a, the game afterwards. Mm. Um, I suppose you'd call it self-manage, if you're being kind. But <laughs> yeah. there are certain players that will self-manage at times. So and is it? Almost would, you, would you want that player on the pitch, reluctantly playing right. at eighty percent, or no. would you want them to be honest and say, "Yeah, it's not an easy one." Does yeah. not not like that mean a
0: player might almost come to you as if they want, like, a doctor's letter to get out of? Let's say the cup final is on the Saturday. There's a league game. We've already won the. You know, there's nothing riding on this, yeah. which happened. Mm. You know, towards the end, you know, we had these cup finals, and probably. Yeah. Are they it almost happen, coming yeah. to you for a doctor's letter and going, Oh chap- get me out of this." League game Because I'm all about the final
1: That ends up being a chat With a manager yeah. I think that's when Your relationship with the manager And the doctor The three of you Are got to be tight mm. And say You would never lie to your manager You go to the manager And you tell him What's going on And Then you sit with the manager And you say Look do you want him We're not convinced He wants to play The manager's going to be Fairly sensible I think in that case And say Well I want someone out there Who wants to play do you, It's a You've got to be A certain level of player To pick and choose your games Haven't you But I think uh it all comes down to relationships. The manager ultimately has to pick the team he thinks is going to win the game. We're there to advise.
2: Do you ever get? Do you ever think managers, like again, us fans who don't really kind of uneducated about this stuff. We sometimes teams that seem to have a lot of injuries, for example, <coughs> over with a particular manager. Often, like people say, oh, he's over training them and things like that. And you know, people have come up with their theories as to why. But do you think is it? Is it most of them just down to luck, or about, you know, or do you have you do, you do you see times where you feel managers are overtraining or whatever, or training in a in a misguided way that could lead to certain types of injuries?
1: I don't accept luck. I think you can accept luck when it comes to traumatic injuries. Right. There's no doubt about that. I think some teams suffer traumatic injuries every now and then. That you can say is luck, whatever that means. And UEFA have fairly much, pretty much proven over the years that a change of manager does cause a spike or a dip mm. in your injury rates. Mm. So we know it's related to what they're doing on the pitch and that's not a real surprise, is it? If you're training yeah. a team 40 minutes a day and I come in and train them for two hours every day, there's yeah. going to be a change in the injury record. But a change in manager can affect that. Mm. But do teams overtrain their players? Probably. Mm. Do some teams undertrain their players? Probably. Mm. Who knows what's optimum.
2: Did um, I'll come to Arsene Wenger for a bit before again? But did, you, you, what we A, what was he like as a person? You know, for with you, and B, do you think his methods changed over the years significantly? You know, from the period where I mean, there's lots to take into account, isn't there? But I'm thinking of you know the early days when trophy off trophy to trophy, trophy you know, right from the start to the later years, which you can talk about the stadium and all those issues and the types of players and our budget and all of that change of ownership. But how did you? How was your relationship with him? And do you think he he changed particularly?
1: Did he change is a difficult question to answer, to be honest. I'm, I'm not convinced. Obviously, he evolved. I think everyone learns from their mistakes. I think certainly he he developed. Of course he did. Why wouldn't you in 20 years? Um, but did he actually change? I think that's a difficult question. We always got gotten very well. Mm. Um, he's a good man. He was a fair man. He wasn't particularly emotional, as in shouting, screaming. I think he was always very... Decent with with his staff, I mm. think. Yeah, uh, bad days, yeah, good days. The same as everyone has good days and bad days. Um, it absolutely killed him when we lost. Mm. Absolutely ruined his next forty eight hours, um, as it did all of us. But he was a. Uh, it meant an awful lot to him. But I think that's what made us all rally around and respect him so much and want to work so hard for him. Mm. You could tell what it meant to him. But good manager to work for. He says, having not worked for many managers, mm-hmm. but he was very, like I say, fair. He would listen to you. If you had an opinion on something, especially medically, because that was your main opinion, and he'd listen to you. Mm. And I don't think I was overruled once in all that time. If we said someone wasn't right, he'd take our view.
0: I'm just interested, you talk about how, how low he'd be if, if Arsenal got us. Is there is there a game or a moment that stands out where he... You know, the dressing room, you know, he was as flat as you ever seen or or maybe where, you know, for a man that didn't shout and get overly emotional that, that he did.
1: Again, the two that's spring to mind, and I'm not telling you anything that's not been out there already. We were 5-1 down at Old Trafford, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that wasn't a pretty half-time. That was a, a tricky one. He took Ashley Cole off, I think. I think Ashley Cole was taken off at half-time. He was a young lad then. Yeah. And actually came off at half-time to protect him. Well, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Maybe he protected him. Maybe he was having a bad time. I don't remember. So he was really fed up then. Um, but that's angry. But I think flat. I mean, when you think of all the successes we've had in cut finals, there's an awful lot of cut finals that have been won. The ones that you lose always stick in your mind. So when you think of Champions League finals, UEFA Cup finals, FA Cup final against Liverpool. I mean, how do you... Pick yourself up from that. That mm. is as flat as it gets. So, and,
0: uh, and does that sort of combine with seeing the dressing? Obviously, the you know, arson You mentioned there being sort of low for forty-eight hours. An example. Do you, do you feel the players were similarly as it was? You know, was it the Champions League final defeat to Barcelona, where as a group there was sort of you know a, a low feeling of like unable to sort of you know see, I think see when the light?
1: When it's something like the Champions League final, or one or two of the well. The Liverpool FA Cup final Maybe Liverpool wasn't But the Champions League final Was the last game Yeah So at least you know that's mm. you're flat now There's
0: a World Cup Going on six weeks later
1: Yes But at least there's so, It's just a last game mm. But then to pick yourself up For another game after that Yeah So there's been Flat dressing rooms When you've had to play again You know Going out the Champions League Whatever year it was is not a nice thing Losing the league Getting to a point At the end of the season Where you can't win the league anymore Was also a very flat dressing room mm. I could probably name you 20 flat dressing rooms and another 40 yeah. high dressing rooms. You know, it's the uh, same as any club, I suppose. But in, Go on. <laughs> no, I was only
0: about, you, you talk about a flat dressing room and and Arsenal fans always talk about, and, you know, for years they've talked about, you know, the failures to replace a Vieira or a Bursa or Tony Adams, you know, leaders.
2: Leaders. <laughs>
0: How big is, is that? Because you? you're, you're sitting there, you're, you're in the dressing room, you will see everyone. Is that fair or have there kind of been leaders during that sort of, the last 10 years of Arsenal who who is just the fans don't see it and and they sort of just have to accept that it's not, you know, the Tony Adams, the, you know, the English captain, but it's happening. We just don't see it.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, obviously, it's been a long time. There's a, I'm talking about a lot of years here. Yeah. But, yeah, there's been plenty of leaders around the place. I mean, define leader. Does it have to be the Vieira Adams type of the lead by example, shouting, screaming, picking people up, there's different ways of doing it. Gilberto Silva was a, a hell of a leader, a great man. Um, there's been plenty more than that. I thought Per Murtisaka, when he played, was mm. very dominating in his presence. But yeah, in an ideal world, you'd have a team of leaders. I know it's a cliche, but I think uh, there's been there's been a few over the years, but that outstanding dominance of the two you mentioned is uh, is hard to replace, isn't it?
2: I think there's also a perception, isn't there? I think with with Wenger, particularly that, I mean, he had to start. He was very clear on his style of play, you know, and, and for by far the most time, was incredibly attractive football. Um, and there was a perception, wasn't it? They kind of sent the team out to play the way they wanted to play, rather than like being, going into tactics and all. that. Is that fair? Do you think that he wasn't like kind of religiously banging into this is what that our opposition's going to be like? It was more about go out and play.
1: I suppose so. We're in danger of getting into football opinions. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I just <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Arsenal would worry about what we could do, what Arsenal would do. Yeah. I think you can overanalyze at times, but again, that's more a coach's view rather than the physios. I think get a coach and have a chat with him.
2: Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, we've got loads more questions to to fire at you. Before we do, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. footballistically ballistically, Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes, and we're back from the break. And we're back from the break. And we're back from the break. Um, let me remind you that you can download the Ladbrokes app and play one, two, 3 which is a free game where you have to predict three correct Premier League scores. If you get all three right, you win hundred pounds. If you get just one right, you get a free two-pound bet. And if you get two right, you get a free five-pound bet. Terms and conditions apply. Josh. Let's, should we talk about player? I mean, yeah, can-
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask a question exactly on that because okay. you, you obviously, naturally, in your role, must have spent more time with certain individuals over the years. And people will think of Wilshere and Rizicki dr You know, the, the players who were you know injured for huge you know number of days in their Arsenal career. Do you end up building a, a better relationship with those with those sort of players? Is it just natural you, you end up spending a lot of time with them?
1: Yeah, I think you you get to know them. You're spending hours and hours every day with them. Yeah, You see their good times, you see their bad times. I think, uh, of course, you get to know them better. You get to know them, their wives, their families, their agents, and everyone else. But my role in the last 10 years was more head of medical, so I would have to put the long-term injured player with a physio. Yeah, I worked with Ben Ashworth, Andy Rolls, yeah. Jimmy Haycock, Simon Harlan, Declan Lynch, all these boys that were... So my job was to think what was the best fit there. Yeah. who's the best fit for that player for this long term relationship you're
0: thinking a bit about the relationship between the two yeah, if you're of out for nine months you've got to get
1: yeah of course Yeah, there, there are certain players who get on with physios and certain players who don't particularly get on with certain physios so my job was to put them with the would best you sometimes
0: fit. change would someone be with someone for a month and yep. go
1: oh, wow not because they wanted to but because sometimes fresh eyes yeah, fresh face especially when it's a long term rehab Sometimes you want to kill the person When you see him in the morning So coming in and seeing that same physio's face Every morning for the six, seven hours Sometimes, yeah, vary it Fresh face But you had to look at the relationship Because it was a long-term thing So I think it's important that they get on I mean, when Remy Gard I'm going way back now Yeah, remember Remy? Yeah, yeah, Remy Gard came And um, he was injured for a fair bit In his first couple of years And we spent an awful lot of time together My French was pretty rubbish, his English wasn't great at the time and so we spent those hours every day teaching each other the respective languages. And oh,
2: can you speak perfect French now?
1: Not perfect by any means, but no, better than it was before Remy came yeah. and uh, yeah, so try and make best use of that time as you can
0: Do you, do you need translators at point? Because there must be some lads who turned up needing, you know, help and medical yes. help who spoke no English or yeah, very like, little English. Often, yeah, yeah. often so you but had translators?
1: In fairness, there were very few so no that English. spoke poor English. Okay. And most of them picked it up in three months. The player liaison officer would get them English lessons in the very early days, and it would be drummed into them. Drummed. It's very important on the pitch, you can imagine.
0: Who did, can I ask, if you're, who, who did you most enjoy spending sort of time with on a personal level, out of you know, players from last year? Or was there several? There's been so
1: many. Yeah, I think uh, from the, the initial boys from the first few years, likes of Ray Parler, who was constantly winding people up And he was always making people laugh throughout the day Didn't ever seem to get himself down Uh, Lee Dixon, David Seaman, Steve Bold for a couple of years I mean, really good lads in the early days Later on we had Gilberto, Thomas Rosicki, I mean I could name them all Actually Carl, recently you you get on well with the likes of Aaron Ramsey Because of what he went through 10 years ago, less than that and uh, yeah, you you get on with them. In the modern boys now, there's Peter check, Rob Holding, Danny Welbeck, all just good, good people who are very easy to rehab. Intelligent boys who are mm. doing the very best they can every day.
2: I, I see. I saw Rob Holding in ch- at, the, at the charity ball, and he he looks like a, a character as well, which so hasn't really come through to me previously. Like you know, he seems like oh, I'm, you know, brilliant player, I've, real big loss that he's been injured this mm. for most of the season. But he was they had this like kind of you know, like grime act playing, you know, mu- co- live music at the thing, and he was, he was like, you know, bopping along, he was getting really into it, I was quite surprised, and then he was kind of, and he seemed to be laughing, he seemed to be having a really good time, is what I was saying, and I feel yeah, like... nice fella. He seems like a really good yeah, guy, yeah, like a kind fella. of, in, but more interesting, he seems like a kind of outgoing kind of guy as well. Yeah, possibly. he is, yeah.
1: I, mean, I think, uh, you know, he was brought in as a young boy, and yeah. he settled in really well. It, it's very easy to say, when you get English, it's easier, I think that's too easy. Yeah. Quality is quality, isn't it? Yeah, but. When they don't speak the language And they don't learn the language early It is harder for them to settle in There's no doubt about that And I think uh, Obviously very important To learn the language On the pitch is a trouble We can get onto players On the pitch sometimes (coughs) To assess them And you're getting nothing back Oh really? So you end up dragging Other players over Especially when they're injured I think I heard Gary mention it When he was here Yes About resorting Reverting to their native tongue When they're angry or injured Yeah Yeah, right right, And someone's in a lot of pain Yeah you end up dragging people over Help me out here Especially in concussion cases as well, you know Right, right. What, what was the most difficult
0: like injury situation you had to deal with from a player Like in terms of either emotional or the, the actual injury, the most complicated
1: I mean, Eduardo's will take some beating So right. obviously Gary looked after him on the pitch yep. I looked after him when we got into the ambulance And we were off, went off to the hospital And, with Gary and stay at the. Gary stayed to St. cover St. the rest Andrews. of the match Yeah I went off in the ambulance with Eduardo to the local hospital, which happened to be Selly Oak in Birmingham, which is renowned for seeing the military when they come back from various war zones. So So it was a good place to be A nasty-looking ankle didn't seem that much to the surgeon. I'll never forget the surgeon when he came into the room. And we knew it was a really nasty injury. And the surgeon took one look and said, yeah, we'll get that done tonight, no problem. So calm and because he'd seen some terrible stuff from the military boys. Now, to think that injury happened... A few miles from Selly Oak Hospital, he's mad, but it did.
0: So it was a blessing in some ways that geographically it was difficult. difficult. Ge- <laughs> geogra- <laughs> geographically, but it had to happen anywhere.
1: Difficult to call it that, but yeah, you're yeah. right. And, um So that was horrible because everyone. could you? Could Edwilo he speak? Because he,
0: you know, Gary mentioned about him re- resorting to his native tongue, mm. and that you were the one with no, him. He was, was okay.
1: He spoke reasonably once he got into the ambulance and had some Did pain? he
0: appreciate how serious it was immediately? Well, you can't.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think he did. Okay. But
0: um, So it must be. And how's that for you? Then the moment where you see like Eduardo back on the pitch.
1: Oh, it's great! It's fantastic. Yeah, he um, he came back in a reserve game on a freezing cold night on a frozen pitch at Barnet, and
0: uh, did you go? Yeah, yeah. Would you have been there anyway? No, no, right.
1: But you go and see their first games if yeah. you can. I think it's important that you're seen to be there, and uh, it was just it didn't matter how he played. The fact that he was back that night, yeah, and progressed from there really. But yeah, he was. He worked so hard in that time to get where he was and it was a, a very long comeback because actually when he was injured Gary left that summer Right. so right. Gary did the first few months with me and then Gary went to England and then we carried on that rehab and he did well but it was such a nasty ankle injury did he ever get back to where he needed to be you can mm. debate that.
0: Someone like Wilshire, has he been unlucky it's just been unfortunate and were you, therefore, <coughs> surprised? I don't want to ask your football opinion on Wilshire staying at Arsenal, but was it just a... Does, does, does the medical history eventually have to come into that decision, do you think, from the club?
1: I think all clubs are going to want players who are going to play for them yeah. for a number of games throughout the season. There's economics in that, as well as talent. And uh, the, most, the biggest factor around getting injured is previous injury. Now, Jack had a couple of fairly decent injuries when he was 16, 17. Hmm. He played an awful lot of football by the time he was 19. And so, yeah, he was uh, he was unlucky because a couple of those tackles were shocking tackles. And so it wasn't always Jack's fault. But I don't know what else to say about that, hmm. really. But, but it, yeah, yeah, he, but he would through, always,
0: you know, <coughs> it seems, from what you would see at the time on social media, yeah, positive about you know, recovery, and he would be focused on yeah. getting himself back. And
1: He was, and you think what he'd been through again and again and again, he was always turning up every day, doing his rehab every day, got do on you, with it. Do you think that
2: the way that Jack played, this is another thing that people would say, that you know, the way he plays is contributing to, to like, you know, running with the, you know, almost like he's a runner with the ball. Potentially. Right.
1: Hard to prove that, obviously. Sure. Potentially, I can see why people would say that, yeah. but I, I don't know the truth. No. It's difficult to prove it. The other injury, of course, we had was Aaron's nasty one.
2: Yeah, right. Stoke. Uh, Stoke. Sure, which was... <clears throat> Could you believe, I mean, as a... I'm, this just came to mind, because I think for fans, like the fact that you ended up Stoke fans would be... When he played, would chant <laughs> chance against him, the victim of a terrible injury. Could you believe it when that kind of thing happens? And what... No. You know, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I don't think anyone
1: would... I don't think many decent Stoke fans would no. endorse that. Yeah. I think it was a... Unusual, <laughs> it was unusual very yeah. unusual, but no, I don't think.
2: It's just one of the most bizarre things to do, isn't it? As a fan to kind of blame a player for, being... yeah,
1: blundered. very odd. But I don't think it affects Did Aaron? I wouldn't have thought. It's no, shiny, I
0: don't think did. a shiny example, albeit he's obviously you know injured at the moment, but of the ability to to come back from you know serious injuries
2: and have the career. He's, he's yeah, gone he came on back earth. and had an incredible season, didn't he? Had that brilliant. We well, did really season. well. Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, um, you saw the injury; it was nasty. Um, he was. Rehabbed over a good few months, ended up going to Nottingham Forest on loan when he got oh, back fit. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, you right, know, um, yeah, god, I forgot. So, that. when he was back fit, he needed games and he went off to Nottingham Forest only for a month or two, I think. Yeah, but yeah, um, he got his games there and then came back and look at what he's become. From yeah, that to be the highest paid player in, in, the in the world, yeah, or something, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's a testament, Extraordinary, to, him, isn't it? Yeah. testament to him and the support you had around him.
2: Have you ever had players who are difficult? just in general.
1: Define difficult, Boyd.
2: Um, kind of, you know, almost like two. I mean, I guess there's a perception, isn't there, by a lot of people now that that pray, they're spoiled and egotistic and all of that, you know, does that... Well, I also, could I add to that, that difficult would be, come back
0: from injury, it takes dedication. You've got to do, you know, whatever the physio tell you, you've got to turn up and take that as seriously as anything. So with, with the, by difficult, maybe players that wouldn't, do that side of it Wouldn't be busting your gut To get back Because they sort of Have got a comfortable lifestyle
1: I suppose you're comparing them To what's in the squad I mean Arsenal's difficult Might be Very good at another club or In another country I don't know mm. But Difficult? No It was People were surprised When you say that Most of, most players Most squads Throughout those years Were genuinely A decent bunch of fellas And people say There must be one odd ball There must be one mm. who a A pain for you and you're really having to rack your brains to think about someone who was disrespectful, unprofessional, really badly unprofessional. No, I totally no, no, believe you, yeah. yeah I, to did, be honest. Because
2: yeah. you think... I also always thought that Wenger bought that kind of player particularly. Like he w- wouldn't buy a player almost if... if yeah, do if his he If he thought they were going to be... <clears throat> yeah, difficult. he'd do his homework. Yeah,
1: yeah you'd, The network of people he had in the game who would be able to give him... What's the word I'm after? A soft reference <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the player. Yeah, right, yeah. I think... Uh, there was fair homework done, but I genuinely wrecking my brains to give you a difficult player. Mm. It's interesting. I don't think they'd be at Arsenal if they were right.
2: It's interesting because it? I remember when Aubameyang signed. I'm just I'm asking you, a pretty, but there was this kind of great fella, right? There's a feeling that he was somehow kind of difficult at pre- his previous club, wasn't there? I remember that being a thing that you know he had he had issues with training, but he's your I new mean, mate, my new mate. He seems one of the nicest. Like he spent that whole Thursday night. Um, Charitable thing, laughing and
1: smiling. He's seems like had, one of the happiest. Never had an ounce of trouble with him. Yeah, he, he seems incredibly good. Guy. decent fella.
2: What was the best atmosphere, squad atmosphere, in the dressing room that you, you had in your time? Last
1: you mean generally, or during a game? Yeah. I'm not.
2: I mean, like a kind of group of players, like a kind of. If you, I think of you know, obviously the Invincibles. I was about stuff. to say it's, it's a very, yeah.
1: very easy thing to say. I know it's an obvious one to draw back on, but when you look at that squad around three, four, five, mm. oh three, oh four, oh five. And you're talking about leaders earlier on. You look at that squad, and you're picking five, six, seven players who would lead by example. I mean, I haven't got a name them the You know who they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. But there were so many.
2: And the spirit in the dressing room was clearly was clearly like they all got on, and they and that well, was yeah, special. Yeah,
1: That dressing room policed itself. Mm. I think uh, anyone stepped out of line, be it a young player. Or be anybody else. It was almost self-policed. It was very easy for the manager and the coaches and, and the medical teams. Mm. They were men. It's a bit too easy to say they were men. They weren't men, but Which, you know what I mean. I, I was going to ask.
0: You, you talk about the way that Arson would would listen to you and, and always sort of, you know want, want your opinion and, and never go against what He said. Presumably, there are occasions in the club where they're thinking about offering a player a a new contract or a contract extension in a period where they may be, they might be out for a long time. Mm -hmm. To what extent will, presumably, you have to be quite involved then because you're talking about the long term impact. (coughs) You know, again, there's people like, you know, I guess DRB or others who would be offered deals even when they might be injured. So, are you quite involved at that?
1: It wasn't always that way. It was, it was, uh, it was different Sometimes it went that way Sometimes you were asked Your opinion If they were 50-50 perhaps Sometimes They were going to Give a player A contract If they wanted to And probably didn't Particularly care What me or the doctor thought Which is fair enough They're hmm. the coach They're the manager But Occasionally When there was Do we don't we Then we were brought in To give our Medical opinion Number one And secondly Give them some more Stats and data Around what that Player had given Over the previous year Two years And uh yeah, I wouldn't say you were called into action for every contract renewal. Yeah. Far from it. Because I think genuinely the manager would know I don't want to offer him a contract. I do want to offer him a contract. There's a few grey areas in the middle where they might try and take as much as they can into consideration and perhaps ask our opinion.
2: Do you think the. Um, did you notice that the way the football changing over your time, for example, So, for example, even even in your like 10 years in charge. There's a brilliant article I read. This week that a lot of people quoted in from the Irish Times. You read the Ken Early thing. Ken Early wrote this article talking about how football is now, comparing it to ten years ago, and he quoted stats saying, for example, that like possession, like the the Arsenal had the highest number of passes ten years ago in the league. Now it's Man City and Liverpool with double the number of passes on average per game to when we were <coughs> the best team, and and that, and they were saying this, and the journalists were saying, you know, in so many, and equally. The athleticism of the players now—that that word, you know—is is is higher, and the intensity level is higher. Do, do you do you feel all that? That you know, like just everything has just got more intense, more athletic, more faster. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I can talk medically, physically. I think mm. uh, there's plenty of evidence. They there was a big study done by a fellow called Chris Barnes um, comparing 2006 Premier League data to 2013, I think, mm. around that time. And uh, the increase in sprints, the increase in number of sprints, sprint distance, total distance, everything went up. And some of it was going up by 30 and 40%. And you're comparing something seven years apart. Now, imagine you take 2006 back 10 years mm. and take 2013 forward 10 years. I know we can't. The difference is going to be enormous. And I've heard lots of coaches say, the likes of Pat Rice and people that played in the 70s, used to be a footballer and it was great if you were an athlete. Now you've got to be an athlete And it's great if you're a footballer But do
0: you you think medically Like Let's say those players In the mid-90s Would some of them have I guess it's hard to know If they would have adapted But almost Would some of them Been able to play in this age Does that make sense Because some of them I think so I think they'd have been You think they would have all Just adapted
1: Yeah I think they'd they'd have Trained differently They'd have trained perhaps I don't think they're Particularly different animals I think it's The animal will respond To what you put into it I think uh, But everyone everyone was on a level playing field back then Yeah. they're on a fairly level playing field now I don't think there's a club in the Premier League that isn't training optimally I'm sure they're all doing mm. really good work but it is different it is very different now they are physical so,
2: and because of that do you think rotation is much more important now for example like, I feel that again I'm not asking you to comment but this but as an example in my, right at the moment I feel like our manager is in a bit of a between a rock and a hard place because he, he's got to <coughs> rotate because we're in the European League we're playing every, once every three or four g- games every three or four days right and and so he's picking, he's rotating a lot. In fact, you know the stats about how many players have played are extraordinary this year for us. And yet, at the same time, you know, you'd, as a fan, I'd rather he picked the best players each week, right? Especially now with like three, four, or five games to go. But is rotation a must really in this day and age?
1: Again, it's a, there's various opinions on it, and but I think the players going to pick the player, the manager's going to pick who he thinks he's physically able to play on that weekend. Now, match physical ability to playing ability and skills and what they bring to the team, it's a difficult balance but I don't think a player should be playing every three days. Not many players, Mm. goalkeepers, perhaps some centre-backs aside, not many get through every single game. There's going to be a physical drop-off at some stage in the season but I think the likes of Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea who are playing 54, 55, 56 games, To compare their injury record to a team that's only playing 40 games, 38 league, go out of both cups early, you're going to compare a team playing 40 games to a team playing 55... Right. It's nuts. You, right. You're playing a third more of the games. Yeah. Guess what? You're going to get at least yeah. a third more of the injuries.
2: And funnily enough, all, all those teams you mentioned, all, all, I felt have all looked a bit tired. Like, well, it's, it's, understandable, it's, is understandable, right? It? But, but do you think that that is yeah. the thing that people go, "How can they possibly be tired?" You know, blah, blah, blah. But actually, of you, course, at the end of the, towards the end of the season, uh, again, there's
1: true. another study done which shows if you're playing three games in a week, as in weekend, midweek, weekend, compared to not having a midweek game, you're five times more likely to get an injury in that third game.
2: alright
1: or in, in those set of games you're yeah. Five times more likely Yeah. So the teams so in the, Europe Okay you can argue The teams in Europe Might have a slightly bigger squad But it's only good Having that squad If you're using it And so it's No surprise to me That the teams That have got the most injuries Are the teams Most of the time That are playing Most of the games it's Yeah
2: and also Like if you look At City and Liverpool I'm, You know they, Their squads are I feel, I feel like they've got 24 players, they players yes. that play in each position, and the backup where trusted players, trusted players. Was I feel yeah. like us and Chelsea, and you know,
0: well, it's a quality of player, it's Coming quality, in yeah. is is a, yeah. too much. But, but then but maybe to, that's interesting, yeah. just listening to Colin there to you know, you think back to that Crystal Palace game and yeah, yeah second appearance of a season,
2: Al Rapano's second right. appearance, what it, what and I then his fourth yes. appearance of a season, yeah. So I'm you know, I, I strain, I feel like but even then, even the though argument? that team selection felt, I'm not asking to quote specifically, but it felt crazy. To me, to us fans, it's still like, oh, you know, he, what can he do? He's got to... Because, you know, Torreira, for example, he looks kind of knackered to me. And, I, you know, I feel like he's got to rest him for a lot. He's played in the world, can't beat, you know, all that. Just, yeah,
1: I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. But what doesn't help is, you know, teams are always going to see their own injury records. Arsenal fans are always going to think <laughs> yeah, of Arsenal. Yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, we do, yeah. players, naturally. Yeah. But when you get these league tables that have, go on the websites and physioroom.com as an example... Yeah. They produce league tables. Now, I'm all for them producing data, well, no problem. But a league table, you're comparing a team at the top mm. that plays 55 games to a team that plays 40. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's because the Premier League doesn't have an injury audit at the moment. Well, I, it will have eventually, I'm sure. But there's no official injury audit in the Premier League. So you're relying on the best a website can do. That's interesting. With okay. It's not a level Which family.
0: is mainly being used by fancy league managers. But well, that was why to... it
1: was brought in originally. And yeah. There's a there's a need for that of course there is but would would
0: that almost I mean I remember you you talked there about um, the media putting out you know figures I remember I think it was during the 2016-17 season the Daily Mirror or someone doing a a table of the number of days that the top clubs had had players out injured over the last five years and, and Arsenal was sort of at the top but obviously there was no proportionality the fact that they might have played you know many more games. You know Man United were second, and at the time both teams in Europe, etc. But did, did it frustrate you? Uh, you know during during your period at Arsenal, when when people from the outside, with little presumably medical knowledge, and certainly not the inside knowledge, would write articles and hypothesise about you know the medical team and the number of injuries and players you know not coming back when they were expected back.
1: Two things, I think it it wasn't always wrong. I think they have to accept there were times when. We did have a lot of injuries, there's no doubt about that. Do you blame the medical team for that? That's an odd one. I think you blame medical teams when there's a lot of recurrences. I'm not sure you blame medical teams when there's injuries. You don't blame the ambulance man for crashes on the M1s. So (laughs) the medical Mm. team will bring them back. If there's recurrences, fair enough. Mm. But I think that's one thing to say, that sometimes there were a lot of injuries. Um, Other than that, it frustrated you when it was incorrect or badly produced stats, or someone was having an opinion, you thought, oh, come on. Like you say, the day's missed. You've only got to have two players who've got long-term injuries. Well, Riziki and Wilshire would take care of a lot of it. There's your 500 days on top. Mm. I mean, we used to to analyse it inside out. You can imagine the the injury data we analysed, and we'd have some years that were a thousand days less than the year before of (laughs) days missed, and it's just madness but it's only mm. a thousand days less because we had three long-term injuries a season before yep. and have managed to avoid those long-term injuries that year Right? did it mean we had a better year on numbers no not really but the days missed data would look that much better and data can be messed around with can't it to make it look better or worse than <laughs> you mm. want it to so that was frustrating at times but what are you going to do
2: yeah well, you can't respond presumably. no no um we run it. Sorry, I've got a couple of questions. We got, still got to do predictions, um, Josh. Even though this, but um, oh yeah, we always end with a prediction, you're, Colin. You still, you're, as an Arsenal fan, are you consider an Arsenal fan, generally. Do do you you want, want, yeah, of course. Yeah. You want them to do well. Yeah. So when you're, this is a good game, but when you're watching an incredible game of football, like say, you know, was it five four the Spurs game, you know yeah. that one? Can you pre, can you enjoy that on any level? Like, do you have? Are you working? You know, focusing so hard that you.
1: No, you, I think. I think every physio doctor would say the same thing. Yeah. You're, almost, you're always a few seconds behind the ball, making sure the previous tackle, previous player, or you're keeping an eye on someone. So you're always a little bit behind it. I did used to go home and watch it in the evening if we'd won. Because mm. um, would you feel yeah. you
0: haven't almost watched it?
1: A little bit, yeah. You've missed things. you come off the game, all right, you'd know when, when was it a good game, not such a good game because of the amount of goals, but you're watching it at pitch level, with the anxiety and the stress that comes with that game and you're watching it really to make sure players get through that game it's not really something that you know
0: and you're looking at it in a way completely different to everyone else because yeah. you might know there's a you know, talk about someone being in the red zone or you're looking out for certain things that we're not as fans you're
1: looking to advise the manager on what you're seeing Yeah, that's your job to be there but obviously you're delighted when goals go in yeah. and you're a bit fed up when goals go in against you but You have to try and cap your emotions. Yeah,
0: you're worried about your facial reaction because you know the camera's going to pan
1: A little bit. You probably see a lot of people at the moment with the hand over their mouth. A lot, everyone, all of them. It's gone a bit too far perhaps. But I think most of the time it's keeping a cap on your emotions. You can't be sat there saying what you think, good or bad really. really. Who wants to see a medical team leaping up and down like madmen? Someone could be having a problem on the pitch. I mean, it did happen, of course it did, but... You have to try and keep a lid on it. Really, you get very good at suppressing any emotion <laughs> after yeah. that many years.
2: And Arsene Wenger's um, famous like sixty to sixty fifth minute substitutions. Was that you aware of that as a thing? Not Is really. That the same way the fans. No, were?
1: not really. Oh, okay. No, to us that was. It's halfway through the second half. He sees something he wants to change. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now you say it. I can. I can understand it. But yeah. no one ever really thought. A couple of minutes here comes a sub. Not really.
2: Fair enough,
1: yeah. But is that a thing? I don't know. Is that a statistic? Well, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think people, people would it. It uh, be having a glance to the bench. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I think it seems. But some...
0: maybe we're more thinking that now just because of how many half time subs
1: every oh, seems to make. It's well, kind now, of yeah. gone the
0: other way, like yeah. so hugely. Can I just ask, are you obviously left us or are, you, are you looking to get back into football? <laughs> I know Gary mentioned you're, you know, setting up something together.
1: Yeah. Um, at the moment, we're trying to set up a sports injury clinic. Together, it's very early days, it's a little yep. way away yet, so I can't say too much about it. But, um, it looks good, it's something to focus on, it's something we're excited about. And but you never know the fact that both of us are doing it, should a good job come up for either one of us, go and do it. I, I,
0: I just go on top again. Obviously, we, we know that players have agents and then they get poached. And how's it working sort of the physio world? Because... Again, every, all the clubs want the top people working for them.
1: How well, we certainly don't have agents, that's for sure. But it's, yeah, but uh, you get you
0: must get appro people. I'm not talking Arsenal, but you know, you, you're just look. You mentioned they're the four or five physios under you. You must be looking also for talent recruitment, effectively. Yeah,
1: of course. I think it's you have to have a big, big network. I think yeah. after twenty odd years at Arsenal, you build a huge network. The physios and doctors you know at most of the other clubs. In the UK, as well as a good few in Europe and around the world, so you do build up a network. But Arsenal's got an HR department, and that sure. HR department ensure that everything is done properly where possible. And so, we did run a process. We advertised it. We yeah. we interviewed, and we got the best person, I think, most of the time. And uh, so, no, do you get <laughs> headhunted occasionally? There are phone calls that come in. Would you like to try this? Would you like to do that? Didn't affect me personally particularly, but it happens. Can you now? Is
2: it nice now to be? Can you just sit at home and watch watch games, you know, and, and relax and enjoy it? Ask, and no, enjoy watching no, not yet, not <laughs> yet. Uh, okay, I'm sure that'll come. It's a okay. uh,
1: it's a very odd thing to do. I didn't really watch an Arsenal match on TV live. For, yeah, for twenty years since about nineteen ninety four. So it's uh, yeah, I do it yeah, because yeah. I want to see him do well. But it's uh, it's still I still find it quite tough at times. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, that's been fascinating. Um, thanks so much. It's just yeah, I mean we could talk all night, but we have to predict what's gonna happen in the next two home games which are really crucial. Uh, Valencia Uh, we'll we'll do a we'll do
0: a pod next week. Yeah. Oh Oh, I see yeah, Valencia Valencia on Thursday
2: and Burnley on Sunday. Sorry, and sorry. Um Brighton. Brighton on Sunday. Brighton. Yeah, at home. Um which Our last I lost two home games of the season. I can't remember the last time I
0: missed. <laughs> I've got my stag this weekend coming. Oh up. Jesus. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss the the last home game of the season, first time in years. That's which I'm uh very sad about. I th- I, I think we will we will draw against Valencia on Thursday. I don't know why. Maybe being in the away end... uh At the King Power Has just deflated me I'm going to go 1-1 Boyd You know we're at home
2: on Thursday. Yeah I'm
0: aware We've tentatively Well we've booked Haven't we To go to Valencia Uh, Well we booked Optimistically ahead Of the Napoli second leg Um, I'm going to go 1-1 Boyd Okay Not that anyone Really follows this
1: bit
2: Okay Colin do you want to Join in the predictions What do you think Is going to happen Home to Valencia
1: (laughs) The home record's been good Yeah Let's go with I think they'll be Valencia Yeah
2: Yeah Want me to name a score Oh yeah yeah Very 2-0 Thank you. Thanks for joining in. I'm going, I am going um, 2-1. It's football
1: opinion, it's a medical opinion score. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like that. So <laughs> one. I'm
2: saying 2-1, they're going to be infuriating away goal. Brighton. I think. Well, we've
1: got to hope
0: they're, they're safe, don't we? Because if Cardiff don't win or, yeah, don't win Saturday, then, then Brighton arrive and yeah. the Emirates already down, which we <coughs> desperately need. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we'll get the job done against Brighton. 2-0. Yeah, I'm going to say
2: 3-1 against Brighton.
1: Nothing worse than a game in between two semi-finals. Isn't yeah, it? my so, gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah, narrow victory.
2: Okay, I'm also saying it now. I still think we're going to finish in the top four, Josh. Well, you predicted, didn't you? We should, we should mention. Yeah. You predicted we would <laughs> come.
0: Uh, you said this two months ago that we would.
2: Beat I think Chelsea we're going to come for Yes, and I still think that. Yeah.
0: Well, Chelsea, if they get four points and we get six, it will be a goal I difference. Think they've
2: got so. to play Leicester tonight. You know, <laughs> Leicester. Yeah. Come on, Leicester. We turn on Leicester. Anyway. Anyway. Thanks so much, Colin. It's been brilliant. Thanks, thanks for you. having me, and I guess thanks to Josh as well. And we'll be, <laughs> we'll be back, back, back next, next week. week. Cheers. Bye. Footballistically, Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes.